Hey everybody, it's me, it's Lenora from It's a New Dawn. It is a Sunday here in New Jersey, Hillsborough, New Jersey. And as you can see, the last, um, actually, well, you can't see, well, actually you can, but the last few episodes or um, recordings I'm trying to do in my basement, which is also my yoga studio and um, gym, half gym, half yoga studio for my training. Um, and uh, my son had given me some kind of internet lengtheners or something to make the internet better. And I think it's working. So it's really great. Uh, cause eventually I do want to rent out slash don't want to rent out the tiny home that I've been doing my podcast. And I really like it cause it's like a she cave, but I really, I bought it for an investment. So really should start renting it out when COVID is done and out of here eventually. But anyway, it is a Sunday, kind of cold here in New Jersey, but it's November. So I am sitting here with Kawan Clover, and he is a survivor because he has lived through a stroke and three brain surgeries. He has also dealt with suicidal ideations, one attempt, opiate addiction, depression, and a bid $1.2 million in medical debt. Despite these hardships, he has started his own company called Overcome Adversity. Is it Overcoming Adversity or Overcome Adversity? Overcome. Okay. Uh, Which leverages his ordeal to help others, as the name says, overcome their adversity no matter the shape or form. He is also a writer, public speaker, and a self-published author of a memoir entitled Favor, How Stroke, Struggle, and Surgery Helped Me Find My Life's Purpose. And I'm really excited to sit down with you today. Um, I'm so excited to hear this story. So I am turning the camera over to you. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Go on. Thank you for having me, Lenore. It is a pleasure and honor to be able to speak to you and your audience. Um, Yeah, so the story begins um, ending high school. I've got it all. I got the good phrase of you know, pick the cause I'm going to go to. I had the girl, uh, the car, you know, everything in my life had gone easier. I come from a two-parent household. I have a younger sister, an older brother. Um, everything was pretty much on the up and up. And I thought my life was going to be streamlined for success. I wasn't until my sophomore year in college where I was going to my mentor's house, Brent Simpson, we were doing finance work and he was teaching me the ropes. And then I was having trouble talking one day. So, you know, I'm talking to you now very clearly, but when I was talking to him, something like a, a broken record, like that, I like that kind of thing. I was having trouble writing. So him and his wife sent me to the doctor. That doctor sent me to a hospital. They did a CAT scan, say you had something in your brain that shouldn't be there. And I was like, okay, take it out. And they were like, no. And then they sent me to another hospital and they did an MRI and something called a cavernous malformation appeared. I said, again, at, at, at that age, 20, I had no inkling of what that meant. So I was like, okay, take it out. And I was like, no, we're going to see you on the monitor. Uh, I want to say within a couple of days to a week, I started getting dizzy, blurry vision. And I was back in the hospital and they decided to operate on my brain on August 15th, 2014. That was my first brain surgery. Um, and again, I guess they don't want to, they, they push up operation to this absolutely necessary, especially with this 
high real high value real estate in your brain. Um, but I kind of wished it out very sooner. So I wouldn't have had, you know, that happen to me. But uh, being 20, you know, you, you don't want to rest. You don't want to stop moving. So within a week after surgery, I returned to school and school activity, life in general without rest doesn't really bode well when you just came out of brain surgery. So within a month, I had a stroke and I was back in the hospital. And then I wow. did a, yeah. And then I did a stint about a month in rehab and then I returned to school. But as I was leaving rehab, we I had this one event happen. Well, happened to someone else is something I observed. What, what were the what were the repercussions from the stroke that you had? So I had um, after the stroke, I had to relearn to walk because one side of my body had made. Yeah, what what's what side was affected? The right side. So oh, you know, okay. I'm, I'm right hand dominant. So I had to learn how to write with my left hand, relearn how to write, relearn how to write, um, walk, um, just kind of relearn everything on that side. But eventually, I got better. And like I said, when I was leaving it was more of a mental shift when I was in a gift shop with my group and we were tasked with it to handle money. And there was a guy in front of the line. There was a person in front of me and then it was me. And as he was the guy at the front of the line was struggling with the transaction, the person behind him started growling and moaning and groaning, just seemed frustrated or inconvenienced. And then um, I thought to myself that night, wow, is that the way I'd always view people who aren't able to do things in, in a timely fashion, if, if, if was I frustrated by people who weren't able-bodied, and that was the first instance of perspective shifts. I started a game my ordeal, um, and I went yeah. back into school with that 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 following year. Mm-hmm. And then this is 2015. I fell into a massive depression that summer because I had played football, I had run track, and I had boxed my first semester in Maryland. And as a, all, all like traumas to your head, you right. know, like uh, your, your football and boxing. I mean, you know, I have four sons, so I know I always worried about I'm an, a registered nurse also. And uh, always were worried about the head trauma because it's pretty, pretty bad. The funny thing about Marion deal, I don't think it was the head trauma. I actually found them maybe a year, like last year that whatever the mass was in my brain, it probably been there since I was born. Just yeah. my lifestyle, the stress of college, of adjusting, you know, trying to do things more than I was probably able to or put made my plate too full. The stress mm-hmm. coupled with the, the head trauma that I had developed over time probably created a condition that allowed it to burst. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was interesting to learn that after the fact after I've been through all the physical stuff but um you know I'm in a better place now but are not a lot of the the battle really the battle was the mental and emotional when my identity as a young black man and an athlete my my expectation of how my life was supposed to go was directly in in confrontation with my reality um Mm -hmm. and that you know when you cold and a hot front hit you create a tornado and that warped our perception my self-image and cause a massive depression, um, you know, just not able to really understand or really able to grasp what was actually happening to me. Um, but, you know, I made it through, I kept pushing forward and 
when things started to look better, I got an internship and things were starting to look up and where I went back to my surgeon who had been, you know, doing MRI scans, reading my results. And he always said, there's something there, but I can't tell what it is. Well, this day, it was in September, he came to the room, his demeanor was totally different. His body language was kind of small and he would just put his head down and he said, I don't know how to tell you this, um, but the mass is coming back bigger and, and faster. And, you know, instantly my mom kind of broke down and my dad was looking around and I just felt this overwhelming urge to comfort them or like protect them. So I just said, sign me up for the next surgery. And my, my doctor was kind of like, you don't want to think about it or, you know, consider. I was just like, no, let's get it done. So mm-hmm. um, we had this. How, how old were you then this happened? So this, this had to be 21. So okay. this is a year yeah. later. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had the surgery on October 5th, October 1st, 2015. And um, before the surgery, they told me something about a spinal tap. I had no clue what that was. But basically, they hooked up something in my spine to drain the brain fluid. And because your brain is floating in a gray matter, my head was knocking around my skull. And um, on a scale of one to ten, in regards to pain, this was like a thirty-seven. So every movement oh, no. was mm. painful, and mm-hmm. they gave me uh, fentanyl to to oh. deal with the pain. And they mm-hmm. say that's like heroin or steroids. And it was like it was more than a painkiller. It was like bliss. Like when they injected <laughs> my pain, I know, I know. I was like, <laughs> I need more of this. Like every hour, I wanted more, and um. You know, I mean, they, I'm not, I'm not let, I'm, you know, just, I, I know what, I know what fentanyl is. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it started compressing my chest cavity. So they gave me Percocet and Fearset on the way out. I went on back to school in 2016 and I started abusing Percocet, Fearset and uh, codeine, promethazine, any drug I really get my hands on, I call it marijuana, uh, just to separate myself, find some form of escape from my reality, to separate mm-hmm. myself, isolate, things like that. Um, I got a girlfriend. She encouraged me. Oh, it came to a point where I realized that drugs weren't doing anything for me, so I kicked them all, kind of a one-day cold turkey. You just and, kicked them. You just yeah. kicked them all. Yeah. You didn't go to. You didn't go to therapy. You didn't. Wow, good for you. And then that's we, hard. That's really hard. Yeah, and once you kind of run into that thing, especially with the, the burger said, the opioids and the cough syrup, you, you can never go back. So it's not like you can say, hey, I'm going to just do it one time be fine. Like, I don't touch that stuff. Like, the most I do now is Tylenol, if that. Okay. Um, and then I had a girlfriend who, you know, encouraged me to, ment- you know, to invest in my mental health, and they had therapy on campus. So I did that, and everything was going good. I graduated in May of 2017. And then September rolled around again. I started having the headaches and I went to the doctor. Um, she happened to not be in that day. So I went to the hospital and they were just like the mass is back. And I went on to have my last surgery on October 12th. And between that time, we were searching for doctors. The first one we found didn't take my insurance. The second one said, bluntly, if you don't get something done, you're going to die. And I was just like, well, you're going to do something? And we're like, no. So they sent me to like radiation and all this other thing. But eventually that first doctor met with that other doctor and met with my first surgeon. They all agreed that this doctor, Jonathan, John, um, Dr. James K. Lou, would be the one to do a procedure. 
15-hour procedure, October 12, 2017. Surgery was successful. A number of depressive bouts afterwards, feeling of loneliness, self-worthlessness, not you know, really aligning with my parents. But then I got on Facebook one day, I want to say in January 2018, and just started talking. And I haven't shut up since. So that's my story. <laughs> I'm to it. So I'm, I, you know, there's no, you don't have any paralysis in your face, do you? No, I don't have any paralysis, but there's no feeling here. And yeah, no I have, I had a fractured skull at 19 and I um, had, a, yeah, I had a major car accident uh, when I was 19. I had a facial, facial nerve crushed on my left side. It was like I had a stroke. Uh, but about 85% of my facial movement after therapy came back. But uh, so you didn't, you didn't have anything in your face. Just, you can't feel, did you feel like tingling? Do you feel like tingling? Yeah. So we're right before, as I was leading up to the third surgery, I did lose like my hearing. I lost a lot yeah. of vision inside. I, I'm deaf. I'm deaf in my left ear. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, but, you know, I do feel the tingling. I do feel like random, like pain in my face on this side. So I can tell them in a couple of years, that will come back. Um, yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm not down about it. I think, you know, I found a lot of gratitude in my story and being able to write about it and share it with yeah. people like you. That gives me a lot of motivation and inspiration to move forward. So again, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. That's <laughs> a great story. I, I, and then, okay, so all of this adversity happened. And what I had put out on Facebook, anybody who has faced adversity and is teaching others to overcome or, and you answered and uh, tell me about what you did. Tell me, tell me what you do with people to help them and uh, your book. Yeah, so on, on the surface level, you know, I just tell my story let them know they are not alone. There are other people like you. There are other people going through with something similar or something completely different, but it's an adversity. Um, I encourage them to understand that for me and a lot of other people, the person that is, or the thing that is causing you to wallow or live in that space of victimhood is the person in the mirror. And I show that through my story and I call myself, you know, my problem was self-cannibalism. And, and the thought processes and the negative thought loops I created and tried to push them off of other people. Um, and then on the next level, you know, speaking, sharing my story to a larger group, uh, getting on podcasts like yours. And then I have my coaching business where I work one-on-one -on -one with people to get them out of victimhood, get them out of the neighborhood where victims live and choose to stay and choose to wallow in that misery loves company. And it's a rather warm embrace. And it feels good to just be, what was me and uh, I just feel so good, but my job is to get you out of victimhood into victory. And, you know, I didn't realize it, but like my logo looks like a V and the thing that the artist put on my flyer looks like a V. So, yeah. you know, you often go down to the valley, but to achieve or start climbing the other part of the V, you have to get to the bottom. And at that bottom, um, you have, it's not your fault of the things you've things that have happened to you happen, but it is your responsibility to make a decision to start doing things in your life, start thinking ways, start practicing, start developing strategies, tips and tricks to help you uh, go up the others that are the incline. And that's where I usually meet people at. And I don't 
think anybody's tragedy or adversity is bigger or better or worse than others. We're all the same and built for the fight. We're meant to fight. So I meet people where they are and get them to be the hero in their own story. Beautiful. I love that. And do you, do you think that, well, people, um, this is my feeling, is that you really have to go through some kind of adversity to really appreciate what life has to offer. Yeah. To me, to me, that's like, if we don't go through these, I wouldn't change my past. I've been through, I've been on many podcasts telling my story. Uh, not only my accident and a bunch of other things that's, ha- that's happened in my life, but I would not change it for anything because it definitely, definitely, definitely made me appreciate each and every breath that I take. Yeah. And I don't mean that. And I'm not like, I'm not like woo woo, you know, I am woo woo, but like, <laughs> I thoroughly mean that. Like, I'm not just saying that I yeah. appreciate every day. Yeah, and I think, you know, life-threatening conditions, I think adversity, no matter what forms it comes in, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk said adversity is the foundation for success. My favorite man! (laughs) And I think, look, the the word, the root word adverse, it means like the opposite or the the force that goes against something. So when you think about the sun or the light and the darkness, you would not appreciate the sunshine without the rain. You wouldn't appreciate the warm without the you know, without the cold. So I think in order for you to appreciate and value your life, there needs to be some type of difficulty, some type of challenge, some type of struggle. So you can learn to understand and value and find gratitude and everything. Every breath I take is because I know I could have died on that table. So I, I 100%, 110, 120, 130, and so on, I agree with you and that point. Uh, I, and you're so young. So it's, I didn't, First of all, were you on Gary's show? No. Oh, okay. Because I listen to him a lot. Like I, I'm on in the morning and uh, he's on in my pods a lot of the time. Uh, that is why I don't know if you're on TikTok, but you should be uh, because you have this beautiful gift of, of this loving. You just want to share this to the world. Right. So I tell my guests, especially the ones from Facebook who just nah, TikTok's for kids, but it is a great platform. And if you do listen to Gary Vee, he's the reason why I went on TikTok in March when COVID hit, because um, it is a great platform to to tell your story, you know, whatever you want to do. But um, it's really great that at your young age that you realize this, because for me, because of all the crap that I went through, it took many, many, many years for me to get to, and I'm 56 now. So it uh, took many years for me to really, really appreciate and truly believe that. I've always said, oh, yes, I'm grateful, I'm grateful, but not really meaning it with meaning. You know, it was like now, it took me a lot. My point is being this young and for yourself and realizing this is such a gift. You're going to, I don't know if you have kids, but you're going to teach your children at a very young age. I have five kids, but, and I think I did an okay job, but um, as parents, we sort of want to save our kids, but you should do the opposite and let them find their way because like you said, through those adversities, even at a young age, they're going to come out a lot stronger and they're going to appreciate things a lot better. 
Absolutely. And you keep saying like at this young age, like we're not the same age. I don't understand what you're trying to say. Okay. How old are you? You're only 28, right? Yeah, now I'm 26. You're 26, right? I'm 56. Wow. I wouldn't have known it. You don't look a day over 25. <laughs> you're funny. Come on. I thought you were telling a joke. <clears throat> Come on. Come on. <laughs> now you're funny. Anyway, so I want to know about uh, your book. How long did it take you to write? And uh, I know it's on Amazon, right? And everything? Yeah, yes, on Amazon, the Kindle and ebook form. I mean, Kindle and paperback format. But I remember, the, like, I noted the exact moment I started. It was July 13, 2018 at 6.54 a.m. And you're like, you're like, uh, with these, this memory, have, did you, do you have any, like, memory loss? Do you have any? No. Nothing? No residual effects? No, no, nothing mental. The only effects I have now are physical and I still haven't regained full dexterity on my right side and, you know, the, the numbness, but mm-hmm. I remember wow. pretty much everything. Wow. And oh, wow. the way technology works now, it's all documented. Like I can pull up the first version of the book. Um, but again, you, you have to give yourself a little bit of time, a little bit of grace. So when I started writing it on July 13th, I wasn't really emotionally ready to relive everything and put it on paper. And when I finally was, you know, my first draft was like a autobiography. You know, I put everything from my birth to, you know, what I happened later in life. And when I first sent it to my editor, she was just like, yeah, so I'm a sculptor and I fine tune statues. And Are what, you you're you're a sculptor? No, no, no. This is my editor said it. You know, she gave oh, me oh, 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 okay. She gave me an analogy, and you know, she's a fine. She said, "Are you a fine tooth comb to kind of rough out, you know, smooth out the edges?" What you've given me is a block of wood, and you're not Barack Obama's, and no one really knows who you are. Wants to know when you were born, and then I started thinking about the great movies I watch, or the YouTube videos I watch about storytellers, and I thought. I should write it like a movie. So that's when I came to the realization that started a certain way and then, you know, attached it to my creative side. And I got finished with it, I want to say in June of this year. And then I published it in September. So Good it was a you. two and a half year journey, but I'm here now. Good for you. Wow. And you said you have a girlfriend or? I did have a girlfriend and she was there through the choppiest part. Uh, we're not together anymore, but you know, if, if it wasn't for her, I don't think I'd be here. Beautiful. Support is everything. How about your mom and like, what's, what has your family? Do you live with your family? What do you, what do you do? Tell so, me. Um, now I'm back at home with my, my sister, my mom and dad. Uh, they were there, you know, my sister when it all started was six. So she had no real clue what was going on, but she's very helpful and understanding. And you want to watch it out for me. We're really close now. And, um, you know, my mom and dad just did the best they could and they were very supportive. And now they're very supportive of my endeavors. You know, my mom financed a lot of the book stuff and early on and when I was able to finally put this book together, I was really, you know, proud of the way it came out and, you know, people are now saying, hey, you can actually write. You're not just writing what you went through. You're actually telling a story. So uh, I, I give all thanks to my creator, my family, my friends, my loved ones, acquaintances. I started a GoFundMe for this last surgery that raised um, 
$50,000 in the first two days and about 75 in the first week. And, you know, I just didn't know how much people would care. And he just goes to show you that there is a side of humanity that is often not shown in popular culture where people just want to help. And I'm thankful for those. There are, you know, we, we, we tend, and I always look at the glass half full and my son calls me the kumbaya man, a woman, you know, kumbaya mom. Uh, but there, if you look, and because of all the stuff that I've been through, I think, I believe that I choose to be just grateful because there's so, so many good things in the world. You know, I mean, people look at these the bad things a lot of the times. And I choose to say, wow, there's some really good people in the world. You know, there's some really good things in the world. Come on. And people don't realize that we're biologically from the cavemen to be able to pick up the negatives. But you have to retrain your brain to see that 20% of what you see is bad news. The rest of the 80% is all the good stuff you're ignoring. And I, I, I choose to focus on the 80%. You know, I say gratitude is my basis. Vulnerability is my superpower. Empathy is my better choice. And my story is my fuel source. All those combined together help me just, you know, the difference between a, a negative person and an optimist is that, you know, looking out the window in a rainstorm, the, opposite, the optimist sees the sun come over the horizon. And that the negative person or the pessimist sees the dirt on the window. And I choose to see the sun coming up over the horizon. I love it. I love that. I love that. Oh, I love you. You're 26 years old. Uh, this next generation, we are not in trouble. We aren't. Um, what else can you share with me? Tell me. Yeah, I. you know... A lot of times it does feel like everything is uncertain. Everything seems dark and it seems like the world is crushing itself around you. But I think it's important for us to remain present, which is why I do a lot of meditation, a lot of grounding exercises, um, because danger is real, but fear sometimes is made up in our head and that leads to a lot of anxiety. And then a lot of people do a lot of backward focus I'm looking at the past will lead to a lot of depression. So remaining rooted in the moment and, and breathing in every breath, tasting every molecule of the food you eat, just embracing my, my, I, I really want to get to the point where I have the unconditional love for everyone I meet. And that's, you know, whether they hate me or they love me or they give to me and they take from me, I want to have love for every person. And that it seems almost unattainable, but if you have dreams that seem attainable or I can see it happening, it's not big enough. And my ultimate career goal is to impact a billion people and, you know, live to age 100 and get my book translated in every country on the planet. And it's not written up before, but I'll be the one to do it. Or it's not about the, the, the result or the end of the journey or the destination, it's, it's, it's about the road you take to get there. And every time I set a higher goal for myself, it, it makes my journey that much more sweet. I don't look up to anyone but myself in 10 years. And in 10 years, I could keep pushing that, that goalpost, that goalpost. And then when it's my time, I will, 
have lived a full life and I have nothing else to give because I would have given it all away. Amen. And I don't, I don't have any, any doubt that you're going to achieve everything you want to achieve. And, and like Gary V says at 26, you are such a baby. He actually would probably call me a baby at 56 because Gary V would say you have another hundred years to live. So you like, you have forever to achieve your dream. You know, uh, you're just beautiful. Um, your book, is it on audio? Not yet. Um, because of my surgeries and stuff, I have dysphagia. So it's, it's difficult for me. So it's like the muscle back here, I guess, is mm-hmm. I have difficulty swallowing and the muscle stiffness here. I have difficulty talking for long periods of time. And I practice like doing, just reading it out loud. And it, I, I just not able to get the cadence. So I have a guy on standby. And what I'm going to do with that is next year, I'm going to put him to the task and I'll have little interjections in between each chapter. So that at least hear my voice a little bit but when it gets on audio, I think it'll reach a lot more people because a lot of people- It just will, don't... it will. I have to tell you it will because I've had people on, well, I had another gentleman on here and he had a book out and uh, it's coming out in audio soon, but I, and I love to read. It's just, I have to tell you, I'm being honest. I've been really trying to build up my TikTok platform for my business and just, uh, I'm an RN holistic health coach. Things just kind of went a different way with COVID. Um, I spent a lot of time on the phone and on the computer and the books have just been sitting there, but I do run every morning. And, um, so that's when I listen to any podcast books. So definitely would be a great addition for sure to do that. So I'll read it for you if you want. (laughs) I'm definitely going to get it done. I'm definitely going to get it done. I'll put it on audio. I'll be your reader. Um, Wow. You gave me a lot of words of wisdom for my audience. But if you want to say something else, I'm more than happy to listen to it. Yeah, I only got one more. Um, It's just something I say whenever I speak to people. Um, Times seem dark and uncertain. And like I said before, the world seems like it's closing it on you and you don't know where to go, where to turn to. Oh, you're not sure what's going to happen next. Um, but just remember the darkest night always comes for the brightest morning and your morning is coming and there is always, always, always hope. Amen. I love that. I thought you were going to say there's always a new dawn and that's the name of my business. Oh, well, I should have said it's, that. It would have been perfect it's, segue. It's, would, that would have freaked me out. <laughs> my, my business, it's just a new dawn because there's always a new day. And it's also named after my uh, sister-in-law, Dawn, who passed away from cancer. Mm. So, but I believe that there's always a new day, new chance, right? Um, I'm going to have all the show links below, but if you want to tell people where they can get in touch with you and find your book and all that. Yeah, the books are available on, on Amazon, again, in paperback, ebook format. Um, Lenora will have all the links. And um, I'm on every social platform, but TikTok. I was on there, and then I stopped doing it. But now I'm going to get back on because Lenora said I should do it. You're going to get it on. You're like the fourth person who said that. Because <laughs> Lenora said I should get back on. Yes, do it. So I'm on 
all the platforms besides TikTok for right now. Um, you can Google my name and I'm sure some platforms comes up. Uh, Kawan Glover, K-A-W-A-N-G-L-O-B-E-R. And yeah, I'm available. And what I'll do for you, Lenora, uh, and your audience, anyone wants to reach out to me directly, they'll, they can email me at overcomeadversitytoday at gmail.com, overcomeadversitytoday at gmail.com, or they can call me or text me at 240-723-2134. Again, that number is 240-723-2134. And that's it. I got I got it all down here on your on your paper. So I'm gonna get that all in the show notes. Hang out for a second. Uh, you guys, you can reach me and all my information is in the show links below. And I will, I keep forgetting to do this, but if you don't ask, you don't receive. Please, please, please support me. Uh, you know, subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's a new dawn. I'm also on every major platform. It would be really great if you are on Apple podcast. I know you can leave a review there. Give me a five-star really rating. Come on, you guys. And uh, just listen, please support, share, comment, like. It all helps for me. Um, I'm going to leave all my information in the show notes. My Google number is there if you want to reach out to me for anything. And uh, the Roar Bar, you guys know, I am not a sponsor, but I am an ambassador and an affiliate. I love this company. They give 10% of their net proceeds to feed the hungry children worldwide. All you have to do is go on their, uh, their website, which go to my affiliate link in the show notes if you're going to order that will help me help them a little bit. You can see their website. You can see where they go to feed the children. Uh, they're just beautiful. They're a young couple, Jake and Rachel. They're married. They're beautiful people. Uh, they are protein packed. These bars they are delicious. Uh, all organic ingredients. They are vegan, but they fit every diet. 11 to 13 net carbs, which means it's low in sugar. No artificial sweeteners put together by coconut oil, which is great for the brain. Uh, sweetened with coconut nectar, blackstrap molasses, a little bit of Himalaya salt. Please support me. Please, please support them. Use the affiliate link below. Roarbar, R-A-W-R. And on that note, thank you, Kwan, for joining me. I so appreciate it. You are a beautiful soul. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs>